What's your mom? A working mom. And what did she write? The working mom. The working mom blueprint. blueprint. And what should they do? Go buy buy it today. The Working Mom Blueprint is now available wherever books are sold. Go grab it for yourself, for a friend, for a sister, for a colleague, so we can help working moms, all moms, to thrive, not just survive on their motherhood journey. Mm Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. everybody. Today we are talking about how to really manage being a working mom and also having your kids in school. And we're going to talk about things from two perspectives. One, having your kids in actual physical school in in in-person learning, how to manage that. And then also how to manage having your kids in school when they are learning right next to you at the kitchen table or within your house. Because over the last couple of years, we know so many kids have had to go to remote learning. And so we really wanted to make sure we were providing some practical support for people who are in the in-between or have distance learning happening or in person. So number one thing to do with your school, your child's school, is to engage strategically. Like all other things that we think about at Modern Mommy Dog, you have to have a plan and a framework. And if you don't have a plan or a framework and things that you know you're saying yes to, priorities that matter more to you than other things, three to five things that you think, these are the things I'm always gonna say yes to, you will always feel guilty, I repeat, always feel guilty if you are not all things to all people. So having things you say yes to is number one. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, about five most important things, your five priorities, go look at our Setter Life Blueprint for all of that. But if you have your priorities in alignment with your goals and the things that you value the most, it's gonna allow you to then make a plan that works sustainably for all the other things in your life. And school obligations should 100%, unless you are like so loving being school mom, be something that is on kind of your add-on list, not on your main focus list. And that's why it's perfectly fine to engage strategically. What do I mean? If you are going to volunteer at your child's school, do so for reconnaissance and teacher relationship building, right? There are other parents who do not work who can volunteer for the sake of actually giving something back to the school. And I am 
such a huge fan of our teachers. My dad was a high school teacher at a public school for 27 years. I have the utmost respect for educators, for how difficult their job is, for how much they do for our kids. And at the same time, I understand that as a working mom who has a lot to give to a lot of different people, giving to school all of my energy and time is not my number one job. My main focus is thinking about understanding what it's like in the classroom for my child, and then also making sure that the teacher of my child knows me enough so that when I have a concern about my child or he or she has a concern about my child, we can share with each other and converse with each other from a place of mutual understanding and mutual connection. The other is skipping the PTA, unless that is totally your jam, right? I don't do school fundraising. I don't do decorating of the gym. I don't do bake sales, right? Like I don't do any of that stuff. And you should feel 100% not guilty for not doing that stuff too. Number three is if you do participate in a bake sale or a fundraiser, doing the bare minimum to meet the demands of that requirement is 100% acceptable. So buy prepackaged bake sale cookies. You be the person who, if you have the means, writes a check for your child's run-a-thon fundraiser. Or you ask other grandparents. You do not have to collect 80 signatures if that's going to be a bunch of extra work for you and time that you do not have. So I want to give you here permission to not be like the all-star mom for your kids at school, but instead think about how you can strategically use school to help your child get the best education, to build community for your child, and to make sure that you're supporting your child as much as possible. Okay, so communicating with teachers. Number one, Set your own terms. What I do with teachers at the very beginning of the year is I am really specific and intentional about divulging my work obligations to the teacher. I let them know what I do for profession when we're in the first parent-teacher conference. I talk about what my schedule's like on a daily basis so that they have a really full understanding That helps me when they send out the volunteer list or if there's an email that I can't get to right away or a text message. It also has helped me in the past when there have been requests for parent volunteers for field trips, for example, and I know I'm not going to be able to make it to something that I actually want to go to unless I have pretty good advance notice. So that has helped me in the past with that part of communication. Second thing I do is engage really early in the year, pretty extensively. So if I'm going to put any time or effort into communication with the teacher, I always do it earlier in the year. So I'll spend more time for the parent-teacher conference. I have often recorded voice memos and sent them to the teacher to explain what's going on for my more high-needs child so that they understand what's happening, so that they can listen to it on their own time and it works in a schedule that actually is appropriate for me. Once I have done that initial engagement and done that divulging of my work obligations to the teacher, then I use email or text 
almost exclusively with a teacher unless there happens to be a pickup or drop off that I'm a part of and I need to do a verbal exchange with a teacher. But otherwise, email, text, or whatever your school's application is to communicate with teachers is usually the most succinct and is going to be the fastest for you. And then I also make a need-to-know basis packed with my child's teacher. So I have a discussion with the teacher about the fact that I'm in the office, I'm seeing patients, I can't step away unless I really, really need to know what's going on. So if they need to get a hold of me, I want them to write me a longer email. If they need to get a hold of me though in the moment, I want them to really run that through a filter of, do I absolutely need to know it? Do I need to pick up my child because they're sick? Okay, that's totally fair, right? But if it's something that they need my attention, but it can wait for a day, I make sure they understand that that's gonna be in their best interest and my best interest and my child's best interest. Next, coordinating with other parents. So when you have a relationship with your child's school friend's parents, please understand that some of those relationships are going to be business-like. And being business-like with other parents, that is not a bad thing. Business-like is not a bad word. So You want to, with those other parents, figure out what is your biggest strength that you can offer to those parents. Some of them you're going to become like fast friends, but a lot of them you're not necessarily going to. So you need to define for yourself what is going to be your fellow parent superpower, right? I am the person that when parents have sick kids, they call me, you know, when they have a scrape and they need to know, do they need to go to the doctor? I tend to be the person that they ask. Other parents are the ones that I can call on if I have a sick kid at school and they need to be picked up, or if I forgot something for a special project at school and I need them to drop it off at the school because they're working from home, for example. And then I work with those other parents to trade items of value, to think, well, I could do this for you and you could do this for me. This is really similar to what I do in my relationship with my husband. And I know it sounds a little bit cold or calculated, but it's really not. It actually just is the true meaning of community where one person has a special skill or a time unit that's available to them and you're just exchanging that together. I make a text change with other parents in the classroom and that way if one of us has a need, people can volunteer to fill it. And I really, really invest in quality over quantity when it comes to school parent friendships. And then third, when it comes to after school activities and extracurriculars with your child, minimalism wins the day. With my children, we have one to two after-school activities per season, three max. So for example, my youngest daughter, she wants to do climbing and she wants to do basketball. So those are going to be her two activities this season. If she wants to do something else, I usually will have her wait to do it until the next season because I want to make sure that I am not run ragged on my days when I am picking her up from school. And I also want to make sure that other parents or other caregivers, when they are carting my kids around, that they're not having to do that more than they need to. I'm also always thinking about a balance of growth opportunities and joy opportunities. So again, with the climbing and the basketball, for example, she loves climbing. She's actually been trying to climb our refrigerator since the day she was born. She would tell her still get off the refrigerator. So I knew that was going to be something that she would absolutely love, would bring her tons of joy and would help with some of the behaviors she was exhibiting at home. So that was a joy opportunity. 
Basketball, on the other hand, we had to actually really work with her to be interested in it. She was a little bit nervous about starting it out. She didn't know how to use a basketball. And so we had to teach her and tell her, okay, let's try it one time. Let's go together. So always trying to balance out what's something that really will bring your child joy. You know, it's just right in the pocket. It will get them into a flow and really loving life. And then what's something that can kind of stretch them a bit. And then demonstrating a willingness to fail yourself. I mean, when I choose activities, I try to be thoughtful about, is this something that I just love to do? Amazing. Great. You know, it's great that I love to be doing singing and dancing and Peloton kind of singing, dancing as I'm riding on my Peloton, right? But maybe there's something that I could try also that I might fail at. I talk to my kids a lot about failure at work or in my modern mommy doc business. So trying to give my kids examples of me doing the very thing that I'm asking them to do as well. You know how like in high school you could join different clubs depending on your interests or things people were into? I wasn't really that much of a club person when I was younger, but these days it feels like having a tribe of other working moms around me is so, so valuable. And it's hard to do in real life because we're all scattered and busy and have our separate lives. We have designed the Modern Mamas Club to be that club, that tribe, that support network for you. And we didn't want it just to be about what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome professional or what are the ways we can help you to be an awesome mom, but also what are the ways we can help you to remember who you are as an individual person? Voila, welcome. The Modern Mamas Club is on the scene. It's a community of mamas to support you, 24 access to our video library, live events, workshops, hangouts, relatable mom rooms and discussions, and a resource library and recommendations from yours truly, Dr. Whitney. Go check it out at modernmommydoc.com. And then when it comes to academics, as a pediatrician especially, I'm always really encouraging parents to try to have a growth mindset with their kids. Again, letting your kids see you fail and rebound from your mistakes, celebrating their effort over their accomplishments, learning to understand your child as an individual, and then focusing on raising the 35-year-old you hope your child will be, not the college applicant you hope that they'll be, right? When you try to focus on raising your child to be the college applicant you hope they'll be, that's really surface level accomplishment. Anyone can kind of fake it until they make it when it comes to getting into college. But the 35-year-old has had to have an actual job and prove that they can actually do the work that they say that they can do on their resume, that they actually have those skills. And so I'm actually really way more interested in raising the type of child that will be able to get the second job, that 35-year-old job versus the first job, the right out of college job or get into college. And that is from Ken Ginsburg, who talks about this a ton, about really trying to focus on building character and building what he calls the seven C's of resilience in your child. We have an entire episode on that if you want to check it out. 
finally, a growth mindset and really talking about that with your kids means modeling, taking care of yourself and finding your own center, which again, if you are already not part of the Centered Mamas Club or the Mindful Mamas Club, please, please, please join us there because we talk all about that. So we talked for a minute about how you can handle things when your kids are in actual in-person school. But what about when they are at home with you and you are working from home with your kids present? Here's a few things that I always tell parents to keep in mind. First, set expectations with your kids about the day's activities and what you're doing and why. Ask them for what you need and explain the boundaries right? If you know that you're going to have an hour-long meeting, your kids need to know that. So that way they are not bugging you in the middle of something that's really important. I look my children in the eye and say, hey, this is like the one hour that I really need you guys to be focused. So that way I can take care of this work thing and then I will be back to you. Now, I cannot ask my children to do that eight times a day and expect it to be successful. But one hour a day, nine times out of 10, they can do that. And of course, it's very age-dependent. You also have to decide if you are working from home and your kids are there, that there's going to have to be some level of distraction unless there's another caregiver present. So you have to give them age-appropriate distractions. It can be really helpful to only allow screen time at these moments when you really, really need them to be focused on something else while you are focused on your most important activity for the day. So if I was having a meeting, for example, with one of my corporate partners, that would be a moment where I would say, hey guys, it matters that I'm in this meeting and that I'm really focused and I feel professional. So I'm going to have you guys go ahead and watch this screen time while I'm doing that. The next thing that I would say, and this is true for all parenting, really, again, my pediatrician hat is on, you have to have a reward system in place to reinforce good behavior. If you are constantly talking to your kids about what the consequence is going to be if they don't follow through on the requests that you make, in the end, that's going to be less successful than setting up potential rewards if they do work well together. So for example, this past week, my kids have been home from school actually because of some specific health concerns. And so we have had to work together quite a bit. We have a whole reward that is planned out at the end of the week, which includes a movie night with popcorn and pizza and ice cream, right? They're really, really looking forward to it. And so I keep on kind of mentioning how excited I am about that as opposed to threatening to take that away from them. I also want to just make a mention about working from home that of course it's not ideal in any scenario for children to be at home with their parents without any other caregiver there, but sometimes it happens. So if your kids are there for extended periods of times, which has happened of course because of the distance learning thing, Of course, you want to try to set up calls on days or times your kids aren't there or during normal nap times. And if you expect your kids to interrupt you, you want to proactively let the person on the phone know in advance that it may happen. 
and explain the situation and how you'll handle it. And I have loved this in the pandemic that I feel like people have gotten so much more transparent about the fact that their kids are here in the sidelines and their kids kind of pop in and say, hey, and that's become much more normalized and that is amazing. But if you just give a heads up to the other person on the other end of the line or on the other end of the Zoom call, obviously that's significantly easier. It's going to reduce your stress level. And then depending on your schedule, I always try to play with my kids earlier on in the day. Kids hate waiting, especially for our attention. So instead of making them more and more frustrated as you make just one more conference call, try to give them the attention they need at the start of the day and get them moving with fresh air and exercise if possible early on. You could take a walk outside with your kids first thing in the morning when you wake up, or you could take a little coffee break out on the porch with them, read a book with them in the morning. And that way, when you finally do need to sit down and hammer out some tasks, they won't be so antsy and you'll be able to fully concentrate. The other thing that I've done with my partner is to try to consider an alternative schedule for some parts of the pandemic and for some of the distance learning components of the past couple of years. So especially when we had sometimes we're working from home, I maybe would take like the 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. shift with the kids and then I would go to work, quote unquote, in my home office. And then dad would work 2 to 8 p.m. or we'd divide up the day and think about working kind of in two hour shifts. And then maybe most important is designating different areas of the house that are workspaces and that are play spaces or communal spaces. So if you are a parent who is working from home, having potentially some signage that says, okay, a red stop sign maybe that says this is an office space or a cut out of your hand on the office door that can be a really clear indicator to a young child that you are in the middle of a meeting and that they are not supposed to enter at that time. They still might, but that can be really helpful. If you're kind of out of sight, out of mind, and you've closed the door and put up this sign, that can be extremely helpful to a young child, as long as, of course, they're safe (laughs) and they're distracted with something that's going to be safe and they're not going to hurt themselves. Similarly, for kids, if they're working from home, making their own specific learning space or learning corner can be really helpful. So remove a lot of distractions, allow them to pick out maybe some colored folders or some colored pencils that they can use there. Try to make it so that it feels homey. That can be really helpful. Maybe they can make a little sign that it says there it's their office. That allows them to kind of know, okay, when I'm in this spot, I'm supposed to be focused and learning. And then the other thing I would say is to set up your child for success. You know, if you have a really young child, they're probably not going to be able to do much on their own. You're going to have to set up activities for them. So for my youngest child, when I'm on meetings, sometimes I will go through and make like a little scavenger hunt for her and I'll put five different types of games or different types of toys in different areas and I label them because she can read numbers. So we'll do like one through five and she has to kind of find them as I'm in the meeting and that takes up some time. For an older child, ahead of time, you could brainstorm with them what are 10 or 20 activities they could be doing. You could put that up on their refrigerator so that when you're in a meeting, they can go to that when they're bored before they come to you for extra assistance unless they are hurt or it's a safety issue. 
And then similarly, I try to plan ahead for food because a hangry child is no good when you're trying to have a meeting. So I cut up fruits and veggies. I put them into little containers and they're called meeting snacks that are in the fridge. I also will make little mini quesadillas with protein and veggies and set them out right before the meeting starts. So that way, again, it's kind of buying me five to 10 minutes. But I think maybe one of the most important things that I can tell you and like I said in the beginning, is that it really is buying time. And so if you can do it without using screen time, if your kids aren't doing their own virtual school, if you can do it with healthy snacks and activities, with toys, amazing, right? If sometimes though, when you're in a very important meeting, you need to do it with screen time, that is okay, Give yourself a break, mama, right? Just know then you're really gonna have to cut down on screen time at other times or give them a lot of special invested you time at the end of those activities or before they hit. Finally, whether your child is in school or your child is at home and doing distance learning with you, please give yourself grace. We all have to accept that when we are trying to do two jobs simultaneously, we are bound to sometimes be less than perfect at both of them. In fact, we will be a lot of the time. And so my number one self-care ritual is just to take breaks with and without my kids. And definitely when you are doing homeschooling or distance learning with your kids, that is not a time to add more to your proverbial plate the errands, the vacuuming, the toothpaste you still need to buy, it can all wait. If you are feeling burnt out, the thing to do is not to add more work. The thing to do is to add less work, to take away. So if you are in a season where you are really, really juggling and you have no control over it, you have to juggle, be kind to yourself and see where you can limit any other expenditures of your time, or of your physical or mental energy. Until next time, Mama. Hey, Mama. If you want more of the Modern Mommy Dog podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Dog. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.